The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about something that is very important to all of us. How safe are your secrets? We're going to be talking about privacy versus freedom of the press, or privacy, as the British like to say. And we have a very distinguished guest today from the UK. He's a renowned attorney who has represented celebrities battling media outlets who snooped a little far. But this isn't an issue that just uh, is a problem for celebrities. It's a slippery slope. And um, we are all at risk these days of being snooped upon way too much. Now, you know that in today's headlines, we have uh, scandalous tales of snooping, from phone hacking to computer hacking, WikiLeaks to well-paid informants. So my question, and the question that um, my guest Paul Tweed addressed, one of the questions he addressed in his new book called Privacy and Libel Law, is... When does the public's right to know supersede your privacy? So, welcome to the show, Paul. Let me just say before, I, I had the honor of meeting Paul Tweed uh, a couple of weeks ago when he spoke at the Los Angeles meeting of the British American Business Council uh, about his new book, and I knew I just had to bring him to you because what he talks about is incredibly important, becoming, it's, of course it's in today's headlines, but it's becoming increasingly important for all of us. So welcome to the show, Paul. Good, good afternoon, Carol. I'm delighted to be here. Well, why don't we um, start with what brought you um, along this journey to, first of all, representing a lot of celebrities in these kinds of libel and privacy cases, um, and then, of course, the normal progression, or what made you feel so passionate about what you were doing that you wanted to write a book about it. So if you could just start at the beginning. I mean, when you went to law school, I, will, I won't put you on, your, on my couch from uh, childhood, although we may go back to that. But when you went to law school, did you know that this was what you wanted to specialize in? Uh, not really. I, I really I fell into it by accident. Um, I've been practicing uh, media law now for more than 30 years, and the first case I became involved in in the mid-1980s was for two leading lawyers of the day who were accused of fighting over the last cupcake in a local cake shop. And uh, it, was a, it was quite a, a notorious case because most people thought, surely to goodness, 
It's material are not going to go to court over what uh-huh. appeared to be quite a trivial matter. But there was a lot more to the story. It was a fabricated story by another lawyer who uh, clearly had a grudge against him. And the newspaper, The Sunday World, which is a sort of a, a, a UK or an Irish tabloid, uh, went on to ridicule the two eminent uh, legal gentlemen. And the case ended up in court, was fought for two weeks, and they both were awarded uh, £50,000 each, which was uh, sort of a fairly substantial sum in the 1980s for this type of award. And uh, that sort of created, uh, sort of, if you like, uh, it set me in a career path uh, that eventually brought me along to 20 years down the line acting for American nationals who were only able to sue in the United States because of the First Amendment protections you have there, uh, but uh, they were able to avail themselves of the more favorable labor laws in the United Kingdom. And uh, I operate out of uh, offices in London, Dublin, and Belfast, so we were able to uh, offer our clients a choice of jurisdiction, if you like, uh, depending on which jurisdiction was most favorable for any given case at any particular time. And uh, so we began to attract quite a number of well-known Hollywood personalities. And uh, uh, London, uh, in recent times, has become known as the labor capital of the world, uh, where uh, people are coming in from all over, uh, not only the United States, but Europe, uh, to uh, protect their reputations in the United Kingdom. Well, are you, um, I, I imagine that you're able to mention some examples because this, these were public trials. Yes, well, there's certainly, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of publicity for the cases brought by uh, the likes of uh, Jennifer Lopez, Britney Spears, Kate Hudson, uh, Kate Winslet, uh, Angelina Jolie, uh, wow. and people, even, even the former California governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, has uh, taken legal action in the uh, British courts. Huh, wow. Well, so, um, why do you think, and, and presumably you've been successful for all of them. Sorry, Carl, give me that again. I sorry. said presumably you've been successful for yes. all of them. Yes, and I didn't act for all of them. They did, I mean, it was myself and a number of other firms specialized in this type of work, uh, but they have all successfully prosecuted their cases. Um, in some cases, there have been large awards of damages. In other cases, and it's probably more common for the high-profile movie star who just wants to get his reputation vindicated and to get the record set straight, sooner rather than later, uh, and so they would tend to settle for a prominent apology that's published quickly and quickly mm. uh, vindicates not only a reputation, but sets a record straight. So it depends really on what the individual client is looking for, but in the, day, in the age of the internet now, if somebody makes an allegation, a false allegation about somebody in Los Angeles, that can uh, be communicated or will be disseminated 
right around the world, there's far away Sydney within a matter of moments. And so as a result of the, uh, the, the internet dissemination of these allegations, they are going to end up being published in places like the United Kingdom, where if that happens, then the international celebrity can take advantage of British libel laws. And that's really the main, one of the main reasons why there have been so many of these cases in recent years. Huh. That's interesting. So, um, now I, I, I know at the, um, at the BABC meeting, the British American Business Council meeting, one of the things that you talked about was, um, I forget what, what it was called. It wasn't, there was a certain name for it that I hadn't uh, heard of before, but yeah. where people uh, call up hospitals and pretend to be someone from the family um, in order to get medical records. What was the name of that again? It was called blagging. I, I have to be, just be very careful with my Irish accent here because a few people thought that I was saying blogging. It's blagging. Yes, yes, that's, that's what I was thinking too. And <laughs> I, yeah. I figured it out eventually, but yes, um, blagging. A very unfortunate, <laughs> very unfortunate similarity, but tell us about that. Yes, well, basically what has been happening is that you get a journalist who wants to find out information, perhaps uh, about somebody's medical condition. Um, and for example, one of the instances uh, that have come out was a journalist uh, pretended to be the individual in order to fill uh, a hospital into providing details of the person's uh, fertility records and a lot of other personal information. So. You know, they, they, they falsely pretend to be either a relative or the individual themselves in order to uh, extract the information from administrative staff from either hospitals or, I mean, recently um, we have here in the UK, I'm sure your listeners have heard about the Levison Inquiry, and this is an inquiry that was set up by the British government uh, as a result of the phone hacking scandal uh, that has been plaguing News Corporation. Uh, and during the course of the inquiry, uh, a number of these instances of dragging uh, have come up. And uh, the, the, the difficulty with, uh, with the dragging scenario is very, very difficult to prove uh, that it's taken place because a lot of these people who have been doing it have either been private investigators or you know, journalists who have become very um, uh, well acquainted uh, with being able to impersonate other people, and it's, it's a problem that I think is only at the tip of the iceberg, and I think it's going to be an issue that's going Paul, to replace phone hacking going forward. Paul, I need to interrupt you because I don't know if you can hear the music, but that means that we need to take a break. So okay. we will be coming back for more of that, and I'd like you to explain about that original, you know, what originally happened, that original case. My guest okay. is Paul Tweed. He is the author of a new book called Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. We're talking about uh, how safe are your secrets. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Please stay tuned. Um, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about how safe are your secrets versus freedom of, freedom of the press. My guest is Paul Sweet. He's a renowned UK attorney who's represented celebrities battling media outlets who snooped a little too far. He's the author of the new book, Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. And before the break, um, Paul, you were talking about, uh, well, we were talking about blagging, not blogging, um, this, this awful, you know, of course you know that this happens here too. Well, well, I mean, I'm sure it happens here too where the press calls and pretends to be uh, the person or, or the person's relative in order to get access to medical uh, records medical information, but it also happens that, um, and I don't know how much this happens in, in the UK, but where, um, where people who work in the hospital, who have access to the hospital records, are simply paid off. They're not tricked. I mean, they don't think they're giving the information to a family member. They know they're giving it to uh, a tabloid, for example, but they take the money and run. Yes. Well, here in the UK, we have fairly strict uh, privacy and confidentiality and data protection laws. And so if they did do something like that here, there would be consequences. So that would not be a common occurrence. And I think that's possibly why blogging uh, had taken such a hold, particularly uh, up to four or five years ago uh, before this was uh, uncovered as being a problem and being uh, uh, something that was a type of misconduct that a lot of journalists uh, were guilty of here. Yes, you know, here, um, it, it, it barely, over the last few years, 
um, more, there have been more consequences here. Um, you know, when Lindsay Lohan, I mean, especially in Los Angeles and, and the hospitals here, Lindsay Lohan, for example, Britney Spears, um, you know, people got access, uh, people from the hospitals um, got access to their records. And yes, of course, it's, you know, it's against the privacy laws, the HIPAA laws here and so on, but um, people have, some people have taken the risk. But um, because of, I guess, because of improved technology, where now um, the hospitals are able to tell who has signed in, you know, who gained the access, it's diminished considerably. Yes. And, and as you say as well, I mean, one of the problems I think everyone's having to face now with the uh, dramatic advances in technology and in particular IT, uh, you know, people are able to gain access it's not just a question of blagging or even phone hacking. I mean, you know, we, we had a scenario yesterday where the Levison Inquiry uh, uh, revealed that uh, B Sky B, one of our the major broadcasters here in the UK, uh, where a news corporation or, or uh, a shareholder admitted to computer hacking, uh, and that they were you know hacking into the computer of uh, uh, there was a, a situation where somebody had. Uh, in their uh, death to uh, escape whatever uh, problems they were facing at home, but they managed to get into a computer. And uh, despite the fact that they had given evidence earlier to the Levison Inquiry saying that they would never become involved in computer hacking or anything of that nature, they admitted yesterday, in fact, that there were uh, several instances where this had taken place. So basically, I mean, I think because of the competition certainly on our side of the Atlantic, between newspapers and broadcasters in order to attract viewers and to keep you know, their, their circulation and distribution, distribution figures up, uh, journalists, I think, have been encouraged to take more and more risks and go mm-hmm. to greater lengths to try and obtain information ahead of their rivals. And I think this has been one of the problems and one of the the reasons why the likes of phone hacking and computer hacking have become more prevalent uh, in the last decade than perhaps it would have been in the the 1990s. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, you started to mention something about the original um, situation that is bringing down News Corp. Um, Could you... I, I think people... Um, probably don't have as good, or a lot of people don't have as good uh, awareness of that as people in the UK. So could you describe exactly, I mean, it was so sort of, um, I mean, after all these years of, of hacking and, and payoffs and so on, it, it, was really, um, it was really interesting that this one particular case kind of brought it to the forefront. Could you uh, describe that? Yes, uh, last July... Uh, basically, it came to public awareness that the News of the World, uh, which is a news corporation, that was, it was the best-selling tabloid Sunday newspaper uh, in Britain, uh, and it was found that one of their journalists had hacked into the phone of the murdered schoolgirl, Millie Dyer, and uh, in doing so, they uh, firstly created false hope for her parents that Millie was still alive, and secondly, 
it had uh, interfered with the, the ongoing police investigation because it, it obviously created the uncertainty that perhaps uh, the teenager was in fact still alive at that particular time and it created a national scandal. Uh, the public were outraged and it forced the government uh, to take dramatic action uh, first of all in setting up the Nevison Inquiry and also uh, to institute uh, criminal proceedings against those involved and, and the criminal investigations are ongoing and such was the dramatic reaction over here that Rupert Murdoch uh, took the decision to close down the news of the world, uh, notwithstanding the fact, as I say, that it was uh, not only the news corporation's best-selling title, but it was, as I say, the, 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 uh, the most sales of any tabloid newspaper, any newspaper in the UK. So it was closed down, and the ramifications from what happened uh, in July and, and the, the resultant uh, uh, investigations which uh, found that they apparently they'd been hacking into the phones, uh, not only of well-known celebrities, uh, but also of the victims of, the, of terrorist attacks and uh, people who had been soldiers who'd been out in Afghanistan and all this sort of business. Uh, I mean, the ramifications are still there today. And in fact, uh, James Murdoch, uh, uh, who was formerly the chief executive of news group over here in the UK, uh, was actually given evidence again uh, for the second time to the Nevison Inquiry. Uh, and he was coming under quite a bit of pressure today, although he seems to have, have got through it okay. And then Rupert Murdoch has been called to give evidence again tomorrow. So the ramifications from last July are still uh, coming back to haunt news corporation, so it just remains to be seen, uh, you know, just how, what else is going to come out and how they're going to be able to protect the rest of their empire going forward, because they say yesterday's revelation that B-Sky-B had been involved in computer hacking, you know, was just another uh, wounding uh, revelation for news corporation, even as well, because they were a part shareholder. Uh, in, the, in the broadcaster. So it's just, it really, each day seems to be you know, throwing up new revelations. Uh, Rebecca Brooks, uh, the former editor-in-chief uh, of uh, the News of the World and the Sun, the two main news corporation titles, she has been arrested, and a number of journalists, uh, a significant number of journalists, uh, have also been arrested uh, and are under uh, investigation at the moment. Yes. Now, Rupert Murdoch, the head of uh, News Corp, um, I was trying to salvage some of his empire by his son James as the head of of certain parts of it. But now James is in trouble too. Yes. Yes. No. He's he's had to step down, uh, and uh, they actually, uh, you know, they have moved. They appear to be moving decisively to sort out the problem at the time, but it's just that more and more revelations are coming back uh, to haunt them. Uh, Millie Darler's parents, for instance, uh, were paid uh, £2 million in compensation, and an additional million pounds was paid to charity, so there's a total of £3 million paid uh, in relation to uh, the Darler phone hacking episode, and there have been significant other sums paid out to other individuals who have been victims, uh, such as Sienna Miller uh, and other well-known uh, uh, personalities. 
So this is going, this is sort of a saga that's not going to go away. For News Corporation, it seems to be, you know, just running and running. And the Levison Inquiry has been split up into a number of sections so that at the first uh, section of the inquiry dealt with the relationship between the press and the public, and that included celebrities who gave evidence on a daily basis. And then there was a relationship, the next phase was a relationship between the press and the police. And currently, they're dealing with the relationship between the press and politicians, uh, which is why both James and Rupert Murdoch have been called back you know, to explain their relationship with various uh, political figures over here. Yes, and of course, that's the most dangerous of all. It's one thing to find out about uh, what a movie star is doing. It's another thing to find out, you know, what what the head of your country is in terms of being able to protect it. Well, we do need to take another break. Um, my guest is Paul Reed. His new book is called Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. We're talking about how to pay for your secrets, uh, the privacy versus freedom of the press problem. Listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Count. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Paul Tweed. He is a renowned UK attorney who has written a new book called Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. He is an expert in this, having represented celebrities and uh, all kinds of important people um, in regarding this issue. And um, we're talking about how safe are your secrets, privacy versus freedom of the press. Now, I want to bring across the other side. As, as I told you when we met, 
Paul, I actually um, have the distinction, <laughs> the dubious distinction, so, um, I have had the experience, let's put it that way, of, um, of having written a column um, for the National Enquirer for about a year called Hollywood on the Couch, and um, that was actually a promotion from having written for the National Examiner for about a year, uh, a column called Showbiz Shrink, and they were both essentially similar. Um, they were analyzing, you know, was analyzing issues in show business. I mean, the first one was analyzing general and the impact of movies on us and so on. And then Hollywood on the Couch was where um, they would give, assign me someone who was being written about in the magazine that week uh, for having done something scandalous. And I analyzed their childhood and explained why they were exhibiting this bad behavior and what they could do about it or should do about it. Now, when I wrote those columns, particularly with the National Enquirer, they had a team of lawyers going over every single word, and they would call me up and check, ask me about, you know, where did I get that? I mean, I did a lot of research before I wrote it, but where did I get that, and where did I get that, and what made me say that? And I was really impressed with just how carefully um, they were looking at every little thing that I wrote. Uh, that's not to say, <laughs> of course, I did have... There were one or two things. Uh, one of the things that I, one of the columns was about Dr. Laura. I don't know if you know who she is. She is a pretend psychologist. That was one of the things that I wrote about. And I did get a letter from her lawyers, actually, um, threatening that if I didn't take it back, you know, they would, I don't know what they were going to do. They would sue, I guess. Um, I didn't take it back because what, I mean, I had carefully researched what I wrote. And it was all true, and the paper didn't get involved. I mean, they never did sue anybody, the paper or me, um, because, you know, I think they knew that it was true. They were just trying to skip. So, so um, I mean, I don't know. Is that just something here, or, or what, do you, what do you think about that? Why, if there are teams of lawyers, why do these things keep sneaking through? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I mean, certainly your column, Hollywood on the Couch, also appeared in the European edition of the National Enquirer. And so basically, uh, when the American, any American publication publishes outside the protection of the First Amendment within the United States, I mean, if, if they distribute in the UK, for instance, they are automatically submitting to UK libel laws. So they have to have teams of lawyers that will look at the article in the context not just of what would be regarded as a much broader freedom of speech aspect that you would have in the US, but they have to look to check that it complies with Britain's libel laws as well because they have had to a few times uh, take action against the National Enquirer, uh, not very often, I should say, and never against Dr. Carroll, I want to make absolutely clear. <laughs> so, but uh, it is, the, the, the lawyers have to bear in mind, again, not just with the uh, distribution of the actual newspaper, uh, but also uh, in relation to the internet distribution, which is something that you have to be very careful about now. I mean, your, your broadcast this evening, for instance, um, you know, it can be heard in the UK. Um, so, you know, you technically are exposed to UK libel laws. So, 
they need the lawyers to make sure that every I is dotted and P crossed just in case something slips through the net inadvertently where you know where you might have something that you might diagnose or you might make a statement that is absolutely fine so far as US uh, law is concerned, but that you might possibly run into trouble so far as UK law is concerned because it comes at it from a different angle and it's not just a question of defamation but also privacy and confidentiality as you mentioned mm-hmm. at the beginning of your program. Mm-hmm. And then we would have different uh, requirements and possibly standards of confidentiality here in Britain uh, compared to what you would have in California. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to bring up, you know, I mean, of course the tabloids get a rap. And yes, of course, doing things like hacking into the phone, you know, when a child is um, is um, kidnapped or missing is terrible. And of course, doing blagging, calling up to find private medical information is terrible. But there have been things that the tabloids have exposed that the mainstream press um, have not. For example, it was the John Ward's mistress scandal. Um, I can't remember now. Maybe you you'd remember whether it was the whether it was the Globe or the National Enquirer. But one of them um, uh, was the first to expose the fact that John Edwards was meeting um, his mistress in a hotel in in Los Angeles. And they, they somehow, you know, got tipped off. I mean, yes, they pay people and so on. They somehow got tipped off, and they had their cameraman there, and they took pictures of him um, going in to uh, with her. And then later on, there were pictures of him and her and the baby and so on. Now, you know, he was a presidential candidate. And, and had there not been this ex- expose, um, then he might well have... Uh, continued to um, run without anyone knowing the difference. I mean, putting aside the whole issue of whether it is important or not, of you know whether president, presidents or presidential can, candidates uh, have mistresses, which you know you kind. I my opinion on that is that if the wife can't trust him, then how are we supposed to tr- trust him from the country? You know, how is the country supposed to trust him? And, of course, in the case of John Edwards, it was especially bad because his wife was suffering from cancer. I mean, it was especially uh, horrendous that he did this. Um, but, but had it not been for a tabloid, um, we might never have known that. So what do you think about that? No, look, I, I totally agree with you. I mean... Investigative journalism has to be protected at all costs, and whether it's uh, investigative journalism by a tabloid such as the National Enquirer, and to be fair to the Enquirer, they have uncovered a number of similar scandals that uh, where it is very much in the public interest for the uh, the scandal to be uh, brought into the limelight. Uh, while it's a different, possibly a different type of investigative journalism uh, from, say, you know, Woodward and Bernstein when they, you know, uncovered the Watergate scandal. But nonetheless, it is an important public service and it's absolutely essential that the law does not prohibit or prevent proper, fair and appropriate investigative journalism. And, I mean, I, for one, I mean, I act for 
as well as acting for claimants, I also act for publishers, uh, which uh-huh. we aren't allowed to do on this side of the Atlantic. And so, you know, if I put on my other cap uh, and look at it from a publisher's perspective as well, you know, it, the, the whole democratic society, freedom of speech, everything collapses if the press, and this includes the tabloids, if they are uh, fettered too much, if they are put in handcuffs, well then, you know, the whole basic principles of democracy can be called into question. Right. But, but, but there has to be a line between what's in the public interest, what's genuinely in the public interest, and what is maybe reckless investigation of Canadian lives can interfere with police investigations and whatever. So it's just getting that balance between you know, what is appropriate and what's in the interest of us all to hear and what we should hear against a situation where, you know, there is intrusion, for instance, into somebody's private life that is only going to produce gossip and, you know, idle tittle-tattle rather than something that's going to be of fundamental importance to how, for instance, a country is run. So what do you recommend for, I mean, first of all, who is supposed to I mean, yes, if everyone went by their conscience, <laughs> that would be a good thing. But what recommendations do you have for defining this slippery slope, this fine line between, you know, what people can rationalize uh, is in the public interest versus what really is? Well, I've been calling for a statutory or, or government regulation of the press in Britain uh, because up until now, uh, they've had uh, what is known as the Press uh, Complaints Commission, the PCC, which has been totally ineffective in uncovering and dealing with the phone hacking scandal, for instance, and that's, that's just one example. Uh, and the reason for that, in my view, is because it's made up of journalists and editors and people you know, with a self-interest or a vested interest in uh, ensuring that the press uh, is not, you know, in any way compromised. So I think you need an independent regulator over here. How it works in the United States, I mean, it's slightly different simply because of the First Amendment protection to freedom of speech. Uh, I mean, I think just a, a, a completely different cultural approach is taken to the media where the view is taken that the newspapers are entitled to effectively publish what they want, providing it's not published maliciously. Whereas in the UK, uh, it, it has always been the case. And don't forget, Carl, uh, one thing that I always point out, I mean, America got its libel laws originally from Britain, albeit the development changed as a result of the American Constitution and, and other uh, changes that the courts and, and Congress have imposed. But the basic fundamental principle in Britain is that an individual is entitled to his privacy, he's entitled to his reputation, and that that has to be balanced fairly with the press, the right of the press to investigate and report on matters of public interest. But the more that a government... Oh, my. <laughs> you see, we're being centered right now. We have to take another break. Um, we'll come back and talk about this more. Of course, it's a very thorny issue. I mean, there are no easy answers. Um, 
And and that's why it keeps being, well, it's good that it's being played out in the headlines because, because it brings up conversations like this and it brings out the importance of books like my guest Paul has just written. It's called Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about your secrets, how safe are they, uh, privacy versus freedom of the press, a very thorny issue. Um, being somewhat demystified by my guest, uh, Paul Tweed. He is a renowned UK attorney. His book is Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. He's, he's able to demystify it as well as anyone can. Um, so before the break, I started to ask you about the danger, uh, you know, especially, for example, in the United States right now, you know, with the elections coming up, People are, are really getting more um, more vicious about <laughs> promoting their beliefs than ever before, more um, adamant about which candidate they believe in and what, what platforms they believe in and so on. So, you know, the, this issue of, um, so whichever person wins um, or whichever, whichever uh, party is in control, um, there is the danger of... Um, the government having too much control over the press uh, or the media, I mean, then we, we wind up in communist, in a communist, or I mean, then it is easier to make things, as you know, that's sort of a lot of criticisms about Obama now, you know, that he's been making this into a socialist state. And the more any government would control the media, the more they would be able to put whatever their their agenda is forward with uh, by squelching the opposing voices so um so you know how do we so isn't that dangerous to be giving too much control to the government or governmental bodies well i certainly would agree i mean you know we would not want to get to a position where the press is controlled 
by any, any government, no matter where it is in the world, the difficulty you have at the moment, and, and one of the issues that is being examined with uh, the Levison inquiry, just at this, as, as we speak at, at, at the moment here, is you know, governments at this, without any regulation, without any regulatory powers or influence on the press as such at the moment, have in fact been indirectly either influenced, influencing the press or the press have been influencing the government. So we have a situation where uh, eyebrows have been raised, you know, at the close relationship that Rupert Murdoch, for instance, had, uh, you know, with David Cameron. And these are all issues that, you know, basically come down to either government influence in the press or a situation where the press are able to set the agenda for the government. And what I basically am saying is that I don't want, I would never uh, condone or propose a situation where a government can control the press. But what I'm saying is that there should be regulations that are known to all that create a level playing field for all publishers, whether it is a broadsheet, uh, I think that that expression is used in the States, or whether it's a tabloid. And most importantly, and and this is probably talking about an ideal world which may not be achievable, but those same regulations should apply so far as possible to the Internet publishers, and mm-hmm. this is a difficulty that we have had in the United Kingdom, where uh, you, uh, you may have heard of the super injunction controversy, where uh, we, have, we had last year there were a spate of injunctions granted to professional footballers to keep where the courts ordered that the press were not allowed to report on their extramarital affairs and various other matters which the courts deemed were private and the press were up in arms about this and what happened was that the the court orders were ultimately breached either on Twitter or on, or on um, websites that were based offshore and they basically revealed the name or the names of the professional footballers involved or the other individuals who had obtained these super injunctions, these privacy injunctions and thereby rendered the law pointless because it was all very well in the court making these orders. It stopped the mainstream press, that would be the, 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 the main broadsheet papers and the tabloids from publishing the names of these individuals, but it couldn't stop the uh, Internet publishers from doing so. And wow. as a result, the super injunctions are more or less died of death. Huh. Yes, the internet. I, I get. I guess the problems with the print, printed media, or even television and radio pale in in comparison to the internet, which is sort of a, a wild west free for all. As, as WikiLeaks, uh, you know, the scandals surrounding WikiLeaks showed, uh, and that this is one of the, the difficulties that all governments face. That it's not just a question of the individual citizens confidentiality uh, and privacy, but you know, now with the WikiLeaks scandal, it was government secrets and you know, gov- information that the government uh, were keeping, uh, you know, were entitled to, to keep under wraps for, in the interest of national security all of a sudden uh, were being 
published out there. And the, 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 the truth of the matter was that the, the, the government was powerless uh, to deal with it at the time because, I mean, I have this expression that, you know, once the privacy horse has bolted, then it's just too late. I mean, damages aren't a remedy in this situation. The information's out there. You can't claw it back from people's minds. So once uh, harmful information is published, and whether it's information that relates to national security or whether it relates to the personal circumstances of an individual, once it's been published, that's it. There's nothing you can do to remedy yeah. the situation. Money won't uh, remedy it. Uh, so the only step, the only reasonable step that can be taken would be some form of prevention. Uh, yeah. And in the UK, as I say, we have injunctions uh, that are court orders to stop publication, but with the Internet, it's proving that they're proving to be somewhat ineffective. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, when you think of just one person, Julian Assange, who, who one presumes is driven by his being convinced that what he did is noble, <laughs> uh, I mean, look at how everyone's affected by that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, people's lives put at risk. And, uh, you know, again, the difficulty is because it's a world wide web, in other words, it's not just you know, one country that can pass a law to control mm. the uh, Internet service providers within their jurisdiction. I mean, this is an international problem. Uh, it's not just United States, it's China, Russia, whatever. And, yeah. you know, people have been discussing, you know, the possibility of getting some form of international forum that yeah. would develop laws and controls that, you know, where there would be standards worldwide. But the chances of that happening in my lifetime, I think, is very remote. And it's a problem, yeah. I think, that, you know, we're all going to have to not only face, but we're going to have to suffer the consequences of going forward. Yes, yes. Well, now, I don't want to run out of time before you being able to give out um, a website, telling people where to buy your book. Yes, well, all, all they have to do is uh, Google uh, www.bloomsburyprofessional.com. That's Bloomsbury, B-L-O-O-M-S-B-U-R-Y, professional.com, and they'll get onto the website and they can order the book from there. Okay, great. And, again, and, on, and on Amazon or any of those, any good bookseller will have a hopefully. Yes, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, uh, and again, the title of the book is Privacy. It must be funny for you to hear me keep saying privacy instead of privacy, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> privacy is love. I'm going to correct you there, but I thought not. <laughs> privacy and libel law, the class clash with and uh, this is so, so important. I mean, you know, in a way it makes wars or, or wars between countries at least obsolete because, because you know, it, things are going to be, uh, uh, can be put on the Internet that could change everything, you know. I mean, it, I, don't, I don't know if I mean, I mean, the, the rules of, of wars obsolete because things can be put on the Internet in a minute. Well, I'd like to thank you, Paul Tweed. You were a fabulous guest. You're doing really important work. Um, and I, this, this, both sides need to be protected. This fine line needs to be protected. Again, uh, my guest is Paul Tweed, and his book is Privacy and Libel Law, The Clash with Press Freedom. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 